Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, I too want to wish those fathers, uh, biological fathers in the room, happy Father's Day. Those of you who are spiritual fathers, who you've got nieces or nephews or others to look for you, to you for spiritual wisdom and leadership, happy Father's Day to you as well. Uh, I came across a story recently of a couple that enjoyed a close marriage, just loved one another, loved to spend time with one another. And uh, when they would go to a restaurant out to eat, they, they were not the kind of couple that would sit across the table or across the booth from one another. They'd sit next to each other on the same side of the booth or the same side of the table so they could hold hands or cuddle and snuggle and be close to one another. This is the kind of couple that they were. This couple had a truck, and on this truck, the, the front seat was a bench seat with no divider. And this couple, they loved going on drives with one another. The husband would love just driving his wife and, and talking with one another. And where do you think the wife would sit? Right next to him, right? They'd just love to cuddle and snuggle with each other. The husband would have one hand on the steering wheel, the other one he'd have around his wife, and they'd enjoy driving with each other that way. This was the kind of couple that they were. Well, after a few years, things looked a bit different. So wife was in the truck one day. They were going for a drive. She said to her husband, remember when? Remember when we would go on drives and you would just sit close to me and cuddle and snuggle, hold hands, talk with each other? Remember how we used to sit with each other? What happened? Why aren't things the way that they used to be? The husband thought for a moment and smiled playfully at his wife and said, well, honey, you know, I'm not the one who's moved here. Now, husband, there might be some things that are accurate, but maybe not the wisest thing, right, to say to your wife in times like that. Here's where I'm going with the story. How many of you at one point in your life felt you were closer to the Lord than you are right now, currently today? How many of you would say you, you had a closer relationship with the Lord at one point in your life in the past than you do currently today? Perhaps at one point in your life you were more passionate about God's word you were more excited about worship service gatherings like this. You were more excited and anticipating God to speak to you through the preaching of his word and through your devotional times as you read his word. Perhaps you were more intentional around talking with other people about spiritual things and your spiritual life, their spiritual life, and you, you just were not content to talk about the weather Perhaps you were more focused on inviting people with you to your community group, to worship services and the like. Perhaps you were more fervent in praying to God for things going on in your own life and the lives of others around you and, you were, and you were so expectant that the Lord will answer your prayers. Perhaps you recognized and heard God's voice more clearly at one point in your life in the past than you do today. If this is true about your life, then I want to suggest to you that perhaps it's not Jesus who's moved away from you, but perhaps you have drifted, perhaps you've moved away from him. And as you've moved away from him, his voice has become dim, and perhaps even you're ignoring God's gentle, loving discipline and correction in your life. You're ignoring his voice, perhaps even. Well, I want us to look this morning at Psalm 1. 
and want to invite Rebecca to come on up, and she's going to recite Psalm 1 for us. While she's coming up, we're going to look at Psalm 1 because the author here describes two ways of living. One way of life that is close and connected to the Lord, another way of life that, that is someone who's drifted far away from God. This psalm describes two outcomes of life. One outcome based on someone who's following the Lord, another outcome based on someone who's far from God. And so, Rebecca, thank you so much for speaking God's word to us this morning. Why don't we all stand together as we hear the word of God spoken to us this morning, Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. But the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. <laughs> Thanks, Ginger. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca, and let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we left so many other things we could have been doing this morning, but we came here to gather with others who love you, who follow you. We want to hear from you this morning. Pray that your word would come alive in this room, would come alive in our hearts this morning. I pray that we would be receptive to what you want to say to us, God, as we live our life before you. And so speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. So Psalm 1 describes a life that is blessed. Begins by saying, blessed is the one. Blessed is a massive word in Scripture. And blessed is a word that the Bible used to describe a happy or joy-filled life. It describes those who find their purpose and their fulfillment in God. It's a word that describes the best life available, the most excellent life available to those who love and fear God and live their lives according to his word. As I said, Psalm 1 also describes a life that does not love and fear and find fulfillment in God. As I looked at Psalm 1, my thoughts went to a similar themed passage of scripture, John chapter 10. And so hold your finger in Psalm 1 and John chapter 10. We'll look at both of these passages together. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this. <clears throat> the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Other translations might say have abundant life. This verse, John 10, 10, is so popular. We've heard it quoted so much because it's, it's an optimistic, hope-filled verse. I mean, wow, full life, abundant life with Jesus Christ. Who would not want abundant life with Jesus Christ? As you think about your own life, <clears throat> perhaps what, before you had an encounter with Jesus, think about your life then. You were living life and then you encountered Jesus. You had a meaningful, 
powerful, life-changing, spiritual, emotional encounter with Jesus Christ where you surrendered your life to him. And then what happened? And then Monday came. Monday. When the reality of the circumstances of your life sort of clashed with this experience that you had with Jesus. And maybe you thought, well, Jesus, you said you'd change me, but you haven't changed me. I thought you were going to change my husband. You haven't changed him. I thought you were going to change my wife. I thought you were going to change my job. I thought you were going to get me a job. I thought you were going to give me a new job. I thought all my problems would go away. I thought I wouldn't be afraid. I thought maybe you'd change me from the addictions and the suffering and problems I have. And perhaps even your life got worse. And we think abundant life, blessed life, full life with Jesus. And yet reality. See, maybe your salvation encounter with Jesus happened when you were quite young. And you would say you've for your whole life been following after Jesus. And you thought your life would be a certain way with Jesus. You'd have this full, amazing, dynamic life with Jesus, but your life has pretty much been the same way your whole life, filled with problems and struggles. So if this has been your experience, perhaps then you move away from Jesus. You drift away from him. Because life with God isn't as you expected that it would be. And you see, here's the problem is we expect Jesus to change our life from the outside, the circumstances of our life, change our life on the outside and then in, where in Jesus, what he does is he comes into our life and he changes us from the inside out. And this is where we need God's help the most, is inside, in our minds, in our heart, in our spirit, in our soul. And the human life is a battle over the heart. The Christian life is a battle over the heart. Jesus comes to change us on the inside, and then at times he does change the circumstances, the condition of our life externally, but sometimes the circumstances, the condition of our life is something that we just need to take ownership of. The battle and struggle inside of us is where we need the most help, and Psalm 1 describes the struggle this way. Psalm 1 said, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, Stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. God's word says to us, don't walk with the wicked, don't stand with the sinners, don't sit with those who mock and scoff at the ways of God. God's word is saying this is not the most excellent way to live. This is not the blessed way to live. This is not the abundant life, the full life before God. This is not the way to live your life. Psalm 1 describes here, you can see a slow drift away from God. You see a progression. Sin has a momentum to it away from God, a drifting, a walking first and then a standing and then a sitting. And when we drift from God, what happens is his voice in our heart becomes dim and even distant. You see from John 10 verse 10, Jesus says we have an enemy. We have an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He will destroy your marriage any which way he can. He'll destroy your friendships, your relationships, and lead you into isolation and loneliness. He'll destroy your future by making you greedy and envious and jealous. He'll destroy your life, making you angry and bitter. He will work in your heart and make you a slave to addictions. 
All of this because our enemy, the thief, wants to destroy your life and mine. And he'll slowly cause us to drift. How does Satan do this? Here's Satan's strategy. He wants to make you listen to any other voice around you than the voice of God in your life. That's his strategy. That's his agenda. That you listen to other voices and you crowd out God's voice in your life. And he'll start, Satan will start by just having you walk by. A brief glance, a brief look, a brief idea, a brief thought, a brief opportunity. You'll walk by it, so to speak. Then perhaps your walking will come next with you standing. Standing contemplating an idea. Standing contemplating, how could I do that? How could I strategize this? Strategize this? How could I behave this way? What would this look like for me? Maybe even a, an idea that you know is not true, but then you stand with that idea and you start to think it is true. Perhaps you stand in front of an image a little longer than you know you ought to. And then your walking becomes standing and then you find yourself sitting in sin. And in that progression, in that momentum, perhaps there is a thrill that comes. A thrill. But you find yourself ending up sitting in sin where you never thought you would be. You see, sitting in sin is mocking God. Sitting in disobedience is mocking God because you and I were never created to sit in sin. We were never created for that. That is not our life. That's not God's plan for your life. That's not the blessed life, the abundant life, the full life that Jesus came for you to live. It's not to walk, stand, and then sit in sin. See, maybe this is a new truth, new idea for you, that there is a fallen angel. His name is Satan. His very existence is evil. And he is trying to destroy your life. That is his agenda. Jesus as well says there's a lion prowling around seeking someone to devour. Jesus says here there's a thief that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does this by causing you to listen to any other voice out there than the voice of Jesus in your life. And he'll lead you away from the one who, in who is found life. He'll lead you away from the one who created you. He'll lead you from the one who loves you. He'll lead you away from the one who died for you to make it possible for you to have a relationship with God the Father. He will lead you away from your best life. When you think about what it looks like for you to live the most excellent life that you were created to live before God, Satan will do everything he can to keep you from living that life. I learned something about pilots this week. <clears throat> See, pilots, when they set off to fly a plane, they chart a course using longitude, latitude, and they, they have a course set out for them before they take off. They take off for the runway and they battle and fight to stay on course. They battle the wind, they battle gravity to stay exactly on course. Never deviating from the course that they've set out. And there's a rule that pilots have and it's called the 1 to 60 rule. 
You see, for every 60 miles that a pilot will fly, if they are one degree off course, just one slight degree, they'll miss their destination by one mile. For every 60 miles that they fly, they're off course one degree, they're going to miss their mark by one mile. So I thought, okay, let's say we're flying from here to Calgary. I mean, from Calgary to Vancouver. It's a uh, 40 or 420 mile journey. 420 miles divided by 60. If a pilot was flying from Calgary to Vancouver, was one degree off, just one degree, they would miss the airstrip in Vancouver by seven miles. Ask a pilot, do you fly off course? They'd say, never. Well, why don't you fly off course? They'd say, because I don't want to die. That's why I don't fly off course. What is your tolerance for living off course with God? You hear that? What's your tolerance for living off course in your walk with the Lord? What's your tolerance for listening to other voices speaking into your life? One degree off course, two degrees off course, five degrees when no one's around and no one's seeing you, no one's listening. Do you have a tolerance for living off course maybe 15 degrees when you're hungry or you're angry or you're lonely? What's your tolerance for living off course? You see, when we're off course, here's what Satan will do. He will come and he will lie to us. And he'll try and perpetuate the lies that he's already spoken into our life. And he'll say things like, well, that doesn't really matter that much. That's not really living off course. Did God really say not to do that? This is okay. It's not hurting anyone, not ruining your life. It's done in secret. It's done in private. No one will ever find about that, out about that. It's just a small lie. It doesn't really matter. Don't pay attention to that. These are the lies that Satan will speak. And when we listen to him, we'll find ourselves walking with the wicked, standing in sin, and even at times sitting in sin. This is Satan's agenda. The thief will try to make you and I have tolerance where we should have no tolerance at all. At all. There's a conversation that we've been having in our house the last few days about video games, and one video game in particular. Our kids came home this past week, and they said, hey, could we, could we get this video game? All the kids at school are playing it, and it looks fun, and kids are talking about it, and, um, and it's free. So can we just get this video game? And, and my wife and I, Nadine and I, we said, well, we'll talk about that. We looked at it, we, we said, okay, we'll download it, we'll play a couple of games, play a couple of rounds of the game, and we'll check it out and see if this is something that, that we think would be good for you. And um, I think, I thought, I remembered my brothers had played this game previously, so I reached out to them. We looked at a website called Plugged In. It's a focus on the family website that reviews movies and video games for families. And, and even you as adults, I mean, go to Plugged In, check out a movie review before you go watch a movie, Right? Um, so we looked at that, and then we sat down with our two boys, and we had a conversation. We said, you know what? This is what we see in this video game. W what do you think? You know, and they gave their thoughts and ideas as well. We talked about it, and, and we said, you know what? We, sh we just don't think that it's, you know, when we look at Scripture, when we look at what God says, it's hard to really, you know, say this game is right or wrong. That's what we said to our kids. 
It's hard to say this is a sin and this is, you know, okay and the good. It's, it's hard to say this is right or wrong. But what we said to our kids is when, when you find yourself in a situation like this, what we need to do is ask, is this wise? Is this wise for you guys to be playing this? Is this wise? Is this God's best for you, for us as a family? And you know what we said to the kids after? We said, you know what? We just don't think it's wise. So we don't think we should get this game. And they said, okay, yeah, we agree with you. And here's the other thing. You see, my wife and I, as we thought about our kids playing this game, we didn't want them develop, to develop any tolerance. Because we thought if they engage in playing this game, seeing, seeing this violence, seeing all of this, then maybe what's next? And could this be a drift for them? We didn't want any tolerance for any of that. So we were just leaning on wisdom to come to this decision. See, blessed is the one who does not walk, who does not stand, who does not sit in sin, who has no tolerance. As I thought about my life, as I think about many of you, I don't think we have enough anger about what Satan is trying to do in our lives. I don't think we get angry enough that Satan is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe we need, this needs to bother us. This needs to bother us. We need to have a righteous anger at what Satan is trying to do in our lives. Because if you live long enough, you will see how the thief has come to steal. And he's trying to steal your life. He's trying to influence your life. And you'll be able to see how lives are broken and destroyed. And he's stealing life after life after life after life after life. And our enemy, Satan, he is never satisfied. He is relentless. He has no mercy. And I'm not making anything up here. This is what Jesus says about this thief. But here's the thing, church. We don't need to be fearful at all. We don't need to be fearful. We don't need to live defeated lives. You see, if you find yourself moving away from God, if you find yourself walking, standing, sitting where you shouldn't be, what's happened is God has revealed something in your life. And what he's revealed is an area of your life that you need to surrender to him. What he's revealed to you is an area of your life that you need healing in. What he's revealed to you is an area that you need freedom in. What he's revealed to you is an area of your life that you need to confess to him, repent from, receive forgiveness from, and then listen to the voice of the one who loves you. Listen to the voice of the one who created you, who formed you, who loves you, who died for you. Listen to his voice, crowding out all the other voices that brought you to this place that you're at. See, John 10 and Psalm 1, the passages mirror each other. Because in both places, Jesus describes this blessed life, this full life, this abundant life, this life that is fruitful and prosperous and blessed, and a life that comes by listening to God's voice and then obeying that voice. Look at what Psalm 1 says. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. 
That is life. That's the blessed life that's available to us. What is God saying here? He's saying that a happy, a joyful, fulfilled, best, most excellent life for you is found by delighting in the law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord that they're referring to here? See, when Psalm was written, the law of the Lord was the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That was known as the Torah. See, good Hebrew teenagers would have memorized not only Psalm 1, like Rebecca memorized and spoke to us today, they would have memorized all five books of the Torah. They would have hid God's word in their heart. This was God's word to humankind. This is the way the Hebrew people knew God. They believed that true life was found in God's word, through God's word, by memorizing God's word, by obeying God's word. It was God's word that gave them life, and it was the way that they discovered how to live a life that honored God. This life was found by meditating on God's word day and night. By doing that, God revealed who he was, what he wanted people to do. Now, this stream that this tree is planted by, I mean, what's up with that image? What God's trying to communicate here, what the author is trying to communicate is the tree planted by this stream is meant to indicate that the roots go deep into the very source of life. That the source of all of life, all wisdom, all knowledge, all morality, all instruction, life itself was gained and received by finding its source in God. Sustenance for life was found in God. Here's the thing. Those five books of the Bible, the Torah, were known as the way, the truth, and the life. That's what they referred to. God's law. God's law was the way, the truth, and the life. Have you heard those words before? We have. Jesus comes onto the scene in history, and Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus refers to himself as the living word, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus refers to himself as the living water. Jesus was made real flesh and blood to show us how to live. And so the strategy that Jesus uses to lead us to life, this blessed life, this abundant, full life, is by speaking to us. It's when we hear his voice that we receive life, that we enter into life. I want us to look at John 10. Jesus' words himself He was speaking here to Pharisees and those who were around, who were listening in. John 10, beginning at verse 1, Jesus says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Jesus is getting at this idea of a thief. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. 
I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And then verse 10, which we've already read. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, there's a lot that Jesus is getting at in here. But here's the central message. The reality is that sheep really do hear and recognize their shepherd's voice. Even today, sheep recognize and hear their shepherd's voice. They follow their shepherds. Jesus is saying to the Pharisees that he is the true shepherd. Humankind are sheep. I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but we're sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. And those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior and believe in him hear the good shepherd speak to them. They hear his voice. And in fact, they even run away from strange voices because they're strangers. And a shepherd speaks to the sheep. The shepherd leads the sheep. The Pharisees didn't understand this, and so Jesus mixes metaphors here. And first of all, he says, well, I'm the shepherd, and then I'm the gate. And I think, well, Jesus, which one are you, the shepherd or the gate? What are you saying here? And the reality is he can be both because he's God. He's the gate through which we enter into life and eternal life, and he's the shepherd that continues to lead us through our life. He is God. He can do both. He's Jesus who brings life through his words also brings life through his death and through his resurrection, and we have our life in him. And here's how we enter into life by hearing the voice of Jesus and by silencing out every other voice that would lead us off course. One degree, two degree, five degrees. Jesus brings life by telling us where we've come from, where we're going. He speaks life into our lives by telling us who we are, He tells us as well who we're not. See, some people bristle at the idea that God has commands. (laughs) That God has commands that he's laid out. Some people don't like that. They're uncomfortable with that. They kind of feel like, well, who is God to tell me, you know, what I should do and what I shouldn't be doing? But God is God and he has all authority to speak into this world to to lay out the way things ought to be and should be. He has all authority to speak into your life and my life. If we look at the beginning of Genesis, God spoke and life happened. God spoke and the land was separated from the waters. God spoke and stars went into, into space and planets were formed. God spoke. By his words, life came about. He spoke and plants were formed. He spoke and animals were formed. He spoke And humankind was formed. God spoke and in his speaking was life and life came about. And God has spoken through his word, through his scripture. And God speaks to you and I by his spirit whispering to us, church, may we be people that listen to the voice of Jesus in our lives. And it's only by doing that and silencing every other voice that we will enter into a blessed life. That's the truth. Nadine and I used to, used to do something together that I feel we need to get back to just by, by reflecting it and preaching it um, this weekend. Something we used to do after supper is we would have couch time with one another. Um, after we ate supper, we would have the kids just kind of leave and Nadine and I would spend time with each other on the couch. And we did this because if we didn't spend time with each other, we would just feel like we're missing each other. 
It's almost like three days would go by and we'd say, I don't even know if I've seen you <laughs> or spoken to you because you get so busy. And we knew that was the case and so we, we made it very intentional to sit down 15, 20 minutes only, sit on the couch so we could hear each other's voice. Just hear each other. We talked with each other so we could discuss things we needed to discuss. We talked with each other because we needed to align our calendars so we didn't miss anything that was coming up. We needed to just hear one another, talk about what was going on, what each other was thinking in life. Because you see, if we didn't do that, some things that Nadine would say to me and the tone that she would say them in, I would think, what is she meaning by that? I'd even begin to doubt how she feels about me. She would doubt how I feel about her. Just by the words that we speak and the tone and the, the way that we spoke it. And, and we needed that time with each other. You see, church, Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on God's word. When? Day and night. Often, right? Often. Hearing God speak, listening God speak, reading God's word, hearing his voice, connecting with him so that you don't think he's an angry God, so that you don't get the wrong idea about him. Spending time with him. God's voice is his written word. God's voice is also his rhema word. That's his words that come to us by his spirit who lives within us. See, this phrase, meditate on God's word day and night, is a very practical phrase for us. Very practical, very daily. Sun comes up, sun goes down. Very practical. It's an invitation and a challenge to us. It's an invitation from God saying, meet with me every day, meet with me. And also, it's also a challenge because the, the best plans that you and I have, the best intentions when they collide with reality, right, sometimes fail. So we want to spend time with God every day, but sometimes we fail at that. But this, there's an invitation here. Father's in the room. Could we try and just be men that spend time and model for our families, spending time in God's word? Maybe you find it hard to do that. I know some guys what they use every day as a tool to get into God's word is the daily bread. And I've been encouraging everybody who's come already this weekend at our information center. We have some daily breads there. It's just a little booklet, just one page, a little verse, a little paragraph. We'll get you into God's word. I know some guys that leave it on the dash of their car as a reminder to them before they get to work or before they get home to just engage in God's word. I know other guys and individuals who use a Bible app called the U version Bible app. And there's daily reading plans in that that will remind you to just get into God's Word. Um, we've got something on our website, a PDF. Just plan to read through the whole Bible. And uh, you can go on there and print that off. Put it in your Bible. I know others who have a Bible plan emailed to them. Mine arrives at about 3.30 in the morning every day. And if I don't get to it that day, there's a reminder of an unread email that says, spend time with God, Kent. Maybe for others of you, this might help. Just read through one chapter of Proverbs a day. See, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. I think today's June 17th. 
So today you would have read Proverbs 17. Let's say tomorrow you miss a day. Well, don't sweat it. The next day just read Proverbs 19. Whatever day of the month it is, read that Proverbs. Simple. My encouragement is to get into God's word. Get into God's word. You see, unless you and I recognize God's voice in our lives, we will not be able to silence all the other voices. And if we can't silence the other voices influencing us, leading us, we're going to get off course. And we don't want to do that. Recognize God's voice. Silence the other voices from your past, from your present. Silence the other words that have been spoken into your life. One gentleman I know, he was told as a young kid that he was the problem. You know what? That word has stuck with him a long time. And you see, for every lie that is spoken into your life, Jesus has a truth that he wants to replace that with. And to this young man, it's you are not the problem. You are not the problem. You are a valued son of God, cherished and loved. You see, we need to listen to God's voice. We need to hear his voice so that we silence out all the other voices that are coming at us. About a year and a half ago, I was asleep and just woke up. Couldn't fall back to sleep again. When this happens to me, I I then say, Lord, maybe you've woken me up. So do you want me to pray about something? So I was just lying in bed and, uh, and just allowing God to direct my thoughts, my heart to someone to pray for, something to pray for. And what I heard and sensed in my heart was God saying, I want you to get out of bed and kneel and pray. And I thought, no, Lord, it's just warm in bed. I don't want to get out of bed. Really, God, can you not just say something to me here as I'm lying in bed? And I, I fought that, and I, and I just felt this impression, this prompting again, right? No, get out of bed. And then I said, this is what I said to God, right? I said, God, but if I get out of bed and kneel, and Nadine wakes up, and all she sees is this strange head poking up above the mattresses, this is going to freak her out. So can I just stay in bed? I just felt like the Lord saying, no, get out of bed. Get out of bed, kneel. So I said, okay. Got out of bed, knelt, and just was saying, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to, what do you want me to pray? And these words came to my mind, healing will come. And I thought, okay, Lord, that's surprising. That's odd. Do you want, is this healing will come for me? I'm not sick at all. Is there any emotional, spiritual healing? Is this word for me? And, uh, and I didn't get the sense that was for me. And I said, okay, Lord, is there someone else that you want me to pray for right now for healing to come? And I didn't get that sense from the Lord. And I was just puzzled praying and reflecting and, and hearing, God, wh- why have you placed these words in my heart and my mind? And I didn't, I didn't hear the reason why in that moment. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'll just keep these words hidden in my heart and just ponder on them and maybe, maybe you will reveal why you have spoken these words to me. Healing will come. Left it at that. So about a week later, 
Nadine said, hey, Ken, after supper, could we just talk for a bit? And um, so after supper, we sat down, and Nadine said, Kent, you know how we've been praying for Micah? What was going on during that time was our son had a, a skin condition with his feet. And it was for a long period of time. The skin condition was getting worse. We were going to the dermatologist every few weeks or so, regular visits, regular checkups, and the skin condition was getting worse. I mean, much worse. Even to the point that the dermatologist at the last checkup that we had had kind of threw her hands up and says, I don't know what else to suggest to you. All I can say is continue doing what you've been doing. And we were saying, well, this is getting worse. So Nadine said, you know, Kent, how we've been praying for healing for Micah. Nadine said, I was praying for him, just agonizing, saying, God, heal, heal this young boy. And Nadine said, I heard God say, to me, you don't need to pray for healing anymore because I'm going to heal him. You don't need to ask for healing anymore. Yeah, it's just so exciting. Right? And, and Nadine, at that point, she's crying. She has tears in her eyes. I'm crying too. And, and it was in that moment that I remembered what the Lord had said to me as I knelt beside the bed. And I said, you know what, Nadine, I have to tell you something that I believe the Lord told me. I described to her, woke up, wanted to pray. God said, get out of bed, didn't want to get out of bed, got out of bed, you know. And I said, the Lord said, healing will come. And I said, I believe the Lord has spoken and affirmed what he said to you by this message. And so, yes, thank you, Jesus, that healing will come. And so we changed our praying, not, Lord, please heal him, Lord, please heal him, Lord, please heal him, Lord, Thank you for the healing that you are already doing in his life. Right. And you know what? He's healed completely. <laughs> and we didn't do anything different. Healed completely. You see, church, when we hear the voice of Jesus in our lives through his written word and through the words that come to us by his Holy Spirit, we have life. We have life, blessed life, abundant life, full life, exciting life. And when he speaks to us, he reminds us of who we are, who we are. He reminds us of who we're not, and he corrects some things in our thinking, in our hearts about who we really are. And he reminds us of who he is leading us to become in this life that he's called us into. May we be followers of Jesus that hear his voice, church. Let's pray together. I want to end our time together like we usually do. By just opening up our hearts and our minds and our souls and saying, God, if you have anything you want to say to us here this morning, we want to listen to you for a few moments and speak to us now. See, maybe as we've been looking at Psalm 1, John 10, the Lord's brought to mind ways that you're walking, standing, perhaps even sitting off course from where Jesus wants you to live. I want to encourage you. Don't leave here 
without surrendering, without praying for healing, without confessing, repenting, and receiving forgiveness, and for getting back on course. Quietly in your seat, just do some business with the Lord, praying with him. If you'd like to pray with someone after, we'd love to pray with you. Father, thank you for speaking to us through your word. I pray that thoughts, revelation from you would stick in each of our hearts and our minds and would continue to guide us. And may we be people, Jesus, that listen and hear your voice and fight to hear your voice beyond all of the other clutter and chaos in our minds and voices in our minds and our heads. And God, may you speak loudly and speak boldly and speak with force into our lives. Make it obvious because sometimes we need the obvious from you, God. Be merciful and compassionate in that way. Speak to us and then help us to live lives that honor you. And thank you. Thank you that you are a God that speaks. And you speak often. And we don't have to manipulate you to speak or coerce you into speak because you love speaking to us as your sons and your daughters. You're a good father. Thank you for the way that you are with us. Thank you that you will guide us and speak to us and make our lives just blessed. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance, his glory upon you, and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Father's Day, all of you. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.